Welcome back to the Blake Street Irregulars, your Colorado Rockies podcast, live and local, recorded here in Denver at Mile High Sports, uh, right just a few blocks from the state capitol. We'll talk Rockies with you twice a week. We talk about every week during the course of the season, and that is brought to you, as always, by Tap 14. Tap 14 at 1920 Blake Street, my favorite place in town. They're on the rooftop at Haters & Co., just a little bit away from the home plate entrance at Coors Field. You can go there before the game, after the game, with the snow's over that we got last week the sun's coming back out spring is here and summer's on its way they have a fantastic rooftop beer garden 70 colorado draft beers 100 colorado distilled spirits and an amazing menu that rotates seasonally you can sit out in the sun before the game after the game you'll probably catch me there and on memorial day when the rockies play and we will be there recording this next podcast in person live out there so come by and say hello that's a tap 14 1920 blake street make sure you stop by Today, we have, uh, again, we're very fortunate to have the editor-in-chief of Mile High Sports Magazine, so a man who stays on top of everything in town. You can find the Mile High Sports Magazine in a whole bunch of places, and obviously, you can check it out at milehighsports.com. Uh, Doug Ottawa, how are you doing today, Doug? What's up, man? Good. You think you're, you're confident in this sun staying out so that we can go drink at Haters and enjoy the sun as we should in baseball season yeah well i figure thinking positively is part of the battle yes, right I, i'm with you i think we've uh, we've seen the worst of it so i, I hope i'm so. glad that we're on the same page with that because uh that is an adventure to be taken yeah Rockies fans we have to avoid the uh the be the we need the moisture guy that, that always <laughs> that always crops up sure, when you get there. Sure. Yes, I know. We always need the more. It's like saying if healthy when you're at, you're talking about any sports team. Yes, obviously if healthy, right? We <laughs> yes. get it. Yes, we need the moisture. I get it too. But yeah, it is. It we is feeling like summertime. The Rockies are on the road. Right, and the Rockies were on the road, and here they are in, in a, a 10-game road swing. They're two-thirds of the way through it now. They have played the Twins. They have played the Reds. They have won both of those series two games to one. And I think when they left on this trip, Doug, what I wanted to take a peek at was the idea that at bare minimum, you wanted them to go five and five. Uh, a winning road trip is great. Right. But I think at bare minimum, we're at a weird spot with the Rockies. They've never been this uh, at, at this level in the standings this late into the season. They're in uncharted territory. Their 622 winning percentage is the best in the National League. And so when they have a bit of a, a meltdown in the bullpen like they did on Saturday when they mm -hmm. lost uh, to the Reds at Cincinnati – you don't maybe freak out about it as much because the bullpen has generally been good. We've right. seen enough of it over the course of the season thus far to say it really is a pretty good bullpen. So if you're going to have that kind of meltdown, hey, maybe have a couple of guys have it all happen at once anyway and just drop one game as it opposed happens to two or to three. It the best teams. Yeah, and so I think when you look at the way they've played on the on the road, they've won four or six. You only need to win one out of the four in Philadelphia to walk away with a 500 road trip. But now if you're the Rockies, Philly's the worst team of the three that they're playing. Right. You want to see if you can at minimum split and maybe even take three and come back with a spectacular road trip. Well, I think there's there's a couple things with this team that, that I think are impressive and encouraging. First of all, I think the resilience that this team shows or has shown throughout the season, especially on the road, especially, at, you know, you mentioned Saturday's kind of meltdown, but they bounce right back. And I think that's a... That's a big thing, and it's it's not just the uh, the pitching staff. It's not just the bullpen who came through again on Sunday, but I also think that it's a it's. And we talked about it last time I was on with you. There's a there's an art to managing a baseball team, especially when it comes down to a team that is very good. And this team is very good, but when you're Bud Black and you have that game on Saturday, and 
you know, you go through the locker room and you talk to your guys, your Charlie Blackmans of the world and say, what do you think? How you feel? You know, do you, in the past they had a tendency to say, Oh, let's do the Sunday lineup. You know why? Cause we're the Rockies and cause we have to deal with rest and we have to deal with altitude and we don't want to deal with injuries. I think Bud Black is managing this thing on a day by day, game by game, series by series kind of basis. And the fact that they trotted out a strong lineup yesterday said a lot to me. It, it said a lot about Bud Black. It said a lot about the veterans. It said, hey, these guys believe they're good and they know they let one get away. So they're going to go back to work and get it back. And that's exactly what they did. Yeah, I think I'm really glad you brought that up, Doug, because under Walt Weiss and even a little bit before the Rockies did that a Sunday lineup. And, yep. and the fact that, you know, we know that's a thing. It was basically, OK, we're going to punt one day a week. And, and that never made any sense to me. Obviously, they're not going to do that with Bud Black. On that Sunday, they basically ran out their starters. Uh, the only backup, Ryan Hannigan, is a catcher who uh, – Hannigan is He's worth noting. Good. He stayed up, and when uh, Tony Walters came back from his concussion, they set Dustin Garneau down because Hannigan, as a veteran – and then, yeah, he's a journeyman. That's a fair way to put it, but he is a veteran. And the other right. two guys, Walters and Garneau, were relatively inexperienced – Hannigan seemed to have a very good handle with these young pitchers. And again, Kyle Freeland looked pretty good. Not not elite, but Hannigan was kind of able to help manage him through uh, some of the bumpy spots. And there is a, clearly a lot of value to that. So they, they didn't exactly roll out the B team and, and punt. This team seems to understand as it moves on under Bud Black that the idea is if you, if you want to be serious, you don't take a day off. It and I do under I do understand the theory of giving guys rest, and I do understand, you know, even in Walt Weiss's defense of saying, "Look, it's harder to recover in altitude. You can't always trot out every one of your best players in back-to-back -back games, or you know, on short rest or whatever." I do understand that, but I think there's a there's a fine line. We saw Bud Black do that in the doubleheader against the Cubs a couple weeks ago, right? And but. The thing is, is, they were coming off a win. In this instance, they were coming off a game that they should have won, that they, quote-unquote, let get away. And so I think collectively, as as a management staff and as a team, they said, guys, we got to get that one back. And yeah. We can't wait. We got to do it today. And that's why you saw that lineup. And, and there's a, the experience difference between, say, Weiss and Black. Again, these are the kind of things that you really show. Going back to that second game of the doubleheader with the Cubs you were talking about, you know, the Rockies did roll out kind of a secondary team, but the Cubs, you'll notice, basically didn't because they lost the first one. So, right. you know, it's reasonable to assume that some, another good manager that, that Bud Black probably had two lineups ready. What, what happens if they won the morning or if they didn't and then you're going to switch it out? But that, it seems that Black is understanding that, look, instead of just saying, all right, Sunday, everybody takes the day off and we'll just throw that game in the garbage can. They say, no, you know, what? we'll space it out today. Cargo's going to sit. Today, Mark Reynolds is going to sit. Today, Ian Desmond's going to sit. To my mind, that's the way the better teams do it. Yeah, and, and watching an, the Rockies manage that way art. is heartening. It's an art. It's not a, a, a robotic computer program that just plugs in every Sunday, which is what I think we've seen in the past. And certain guys need more rest, and certain guys don't. Certain guys play better when they've had a day off. Certain guys don't. And, and Black seems to be doing the work on making sure that he understands how each player, whether it's a pitcher or a position guy, how he handles his work. And he's been very uh, adamant when it comes to the bullpen. I think part of their success that's very underrated is in the way they're being managed. Uh, when Black takes a guy, he's been pitching two days in a row or whatever, Black scratches his name out. For that day. He's like, that guy's not coming in. He's not warming up. He's not doing anything. I don't care what the situation is. Right. He's not coming in. 
that saves that wear and tear. And I think especially with someone like Greg Holland coming off of the Tommy John surgery, that's got to make a huge difference. And he's being repaid with one of what appears to be the best bullpens the Rockies have ever had. Absolutely. And, you know, you mentioned Holland, but I mean, He's repaid in how he's handled him every time he puts him out there. The yeah. guy's automatic. Well, Holland is, believe it or not, on pace to break the saves record uh, in a single season, which was held by uh, Francisco Rodriguez, who had 62. Now, quite frankly, I don't actually think you want Holland out there that often. But, right. But you want to win going away a little bit and more. And what you'd like to, yeah, exactly. And I think what, you'd, what you're happy with seeing for the Rockies is the save conversion percentage, not yeah. necessarily the raw numbers. If he's exactly. going in and he's getting the save when you bring him in, it's not about the totals. It's about the fact that when he comes in, that game's over. And I think that's what the Rockies are getting, and it's what they want. And now that you, you have guys like Mike Dunn, Adam Adovino's having a bit of a bounce-back year. Jake McGee, who led the team in saves, is almost becoming a seventh-inning guy. Uh, that's a bit of luxury. But you look at the Rocky series. Let's take a look at where they go with Philadelphia here. They have four there. Uh, they start this game today, as we record this on Monday, with Jeff Hoffman starting. Yeah. Jeff Hoffman will be making a second start of the year. The The previous start, now he's, he appeared in relief in another game. But the previous start against the Dodgers, uh, actually 11 days ago, won that game at Coors Field going five and a third, giving up the three earned runs, uh, striking out eight and walking only two. So his numbers on the year, with only the limited appearances, that 5.4 ERA doesn't jump out at you. But he won his only start of the year and against a very good, I'm not even going to say very good, an elite World Series caliber Dodgers team, yeah. you know, struck out eight and walked only two guys. Uh, that was a good performance. In comparison, Tyler Chatwood, who goes in game three of this series against the Phillies now, again, the same problems have manifested in April Chatwood uh, walked at 11 guys to 22 strikeouts. That's not a percentage you love from a starter. No. In May, it's been worse. 19 strikeouts to 16 walks in 21 innings. Chatwood is 27 years old and a free agent after this season. Hypothetically, when you look at it, there are already three rookies in the rotation. And the way and, and the way Marquez good. has pitched, by the way, coming in in relief of uh, John Gray when he went to the DL, it's pretty hard to think of him being sent down even when yeah. Gray gets back. With If Hoffman goes out here and pitches well again, with the way Marquez is going, would you be afraid to go with four rookies in the rotation and maybe move away from Tyler Chatwood? I wouldn't be afraid because I think it, you're, you're dealing with a coin flip when it comes to these two guys, and you can't base Hoffman's one you, – you can't extrapolate what Hoffman did in one performance and say, oh, this is going to carry out throughout the year. He did have a nice performance, and I think that that's a – it's another, you know, another testament to the way that these pitchers are handled. You know, they take him out after uh, five and a third, like you said, and 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 he goes away feeling confident. He goes away with a win, and then they send him back down, and they get him some more work, and they're they're handling these guys so well. So I like the way that that their young pitchers are being brought up. Chatwood, and you hate to say this, but at, at what point do you say this is who this guy is? Um, and it's early in the season, and you do want to see him do well, and you hope that he does have a, a bounce-back performance this week in Philly. But if he doesn't and Hoffman plays well, I think it's a really viable option for them because if you've got a guy like Chatwood who has major league experience as somebody that you could bring up later in the season, that's not a bad thing. I mean, we talked about the depth of this team, and that's that's another example of it is you've got a guy that – He's clearly your number five. He's not. He's not 
atop the rotation by any means. Yeah, I mean, te- technically at the moment, really, he's your you know he's your number two guy, but he, he, it, is, he hasn't but he pitched isn't. like it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. You're talking about a pitcher in Chatwood too that uh, over the course of his career, and we're not trying to throw him under the bus. He's been good for the Rockies before, but the Rockies now in a position where they have the best record they've ever had at this point in the season. Maybe don't have the luxury of waiting for Chatwood to get it right. I mean, when your right. walk to strikeout ratio is almost one to one, that right. is disastrous. And you're talking about a guy who's in his career as a losing record that is a career area of 4.28. You take that for he started with the Angels. You take that to Coors Field where at the current moment his record's 3-6 and six with a 5.09. He might, this might be the guy he is. Right. Th- this may be a guy that at 27 years old we're not talking about as someone who's going to make a, a lot of massive leaps forward. Yes. Maybe he is a fourth or fifth starter, and if that's the case and the Rockies have better options, maybe they need not be afraid to go away from it because at this point, Sensatella and Freeman at Freeland have been in the rotation from day one. Right. This wasn't the situation like Marquez. Now, maybe he didn't want to push them that quickly, but they've been there since day one. They've, they've answered the bell every time. Sensatella has, set, uh, has uh, six wins. And Freeland has uh, the Freeland's five. I'm sorry, Sensatella seven, tied yeah. with Clayton Kershaw, and should have got another one. Yeah, Sensatella is tied with Clayton Kershaw atop the NL in wins, and Kyle Freeland with his five is tied for fifth. So they've answered the bell. Now, you think that now they've found building blocks going forward. At this point, when we're almost at Memorial Day, you have to take a look at it and say it can't be a fluke anymore. They've pitched enough innings. I'm kind of with you at this point. You can't have your veteran guy go out there and disappoint game after game if you're going to have that kind of performance i'd almost rather have it from a rookie right where the where the guys the other guys watch it and watch the meltdown and go oh well nuts but he's young he'll figure it out there's more reasons to be optimistic when it's a young guy messing up than when it's a veteran messing up and i think the key stat there isn't wins and losses it isn't era it isn't any of that stuff it's walks because the one thing that a rockies pitcher specifically the rockies cannot afford to be is is a person that puts people on base because you look at freeland even yesterday he gave up some home runs but he didn't have traffic all day you look at marquez same kind of performance the other day he 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 just doesn't put guys on base and because look you're go if you're playing uh in coors field if you're playing in cincinnati you're going to give up home runs you just can't give up home runs that are three four you know, yeah, two, those three, are the four ones, run home runs. Uh, the, the old axiom in baseball is, you know, a solo shot, you don't love them, but they don't kill you. you absolutely. They, you generally don't lose games from the occasional solo and shot. that's what the rookies have done. They, they've, they've managed to keep people off the bases, and I think that's what Chatwood hasn't. I mean, you know, your one-to-one stat, almost one-to-one, is very, very telling, and it's very concerning because that's, that's what you can't have. And I think that, um, you know, the way that these guys are – their confidence is being coddled in a very good way because they get to five innings. If they have a lead, if they're shaky and they're, and they're a young guy, they're, they're not afraid to bring in that bullpen. And it all goes back to the stuff that we started the show off with is if you have that bullpen that you have some confidence in, it builds confidence in your young starters because, Hey, if you made it five and a third or five and two thirds, or you get into the sixth and it doesn't look good. That's okay. Come on out. We're, we're not going to get you a loss here. You know, be proud of what you did, and and we'll work on the stuff that happened when things got rough. But that's why I think these guys are very they're they're being handled so well 
that uh, I think it makes a huge difference. Pitchers, when you, you watch uh, baseball, you realize pitchers get in trouble when they nibble, right? When they're trying to nibble at those corners and they're trying to be almost too fine. That's yeah. when you find yourself in trouble. And I think you make a really good point there because you look at a, a lot of young guys, and if they know they have this bullpen behind them, that will that will hold it for them. They don't have to be quite so fine. You don't have to take them out there and say, I have to be perfect. Right. You don't have to be perfect. Keep the team in the game. You have a good offense behind you. You have a good defense behind you. The bullpen can hold it down. Get us through enough innings. And Antonio Sensatella in his last outing, not a, not a great performance. Not his best, for but sure. But it wasn't one of those three and two-thirds innings or four innings that kills the bullpen. He still hangs in there for, for uh, five or more innings every time. And if the pitchers can get you that, I'm not a huge fan of the quality start stat. I'd like to see your starters go more than five. But to, to my mind, I'm like, five is the minimum, even sure. if you're not pitching that well. You have to get that far in to save the wear and tear on the bullpen. And the Rockies, uh, both the pitchers and the managers, seem to be comfortable with letting them work through it a little bit. And that's where it gets interesting. You know, you mentioned Cincinnati, and I think that's one of the the, the most uh, interesting things to watch when he pitches. Because obviously no one really knew that much about this kid when he came in. But the one thing that's really evident when he's up there pitching whether he's pitching with a one-run lead or a five-run lead. Same guy. is the same guy. He's just steady as they come. And it all, I mean, it all, and this is usually used in a negative way, but I don't mean it this way, but it almost like he's throwing batting practice. You know, he's just steady and smooth. He's throwing it up there. He's trusting his defense. Everything about his delivery and his demeanor is what you want, especially for a rookie, because he just doesn't get rattled. And, he, and he's, the, he's the same guy. He's not, like you said, he's not trying to be perfect. He's just trying to be him, and it's really working for him. Yeah, Senzatel, and I, I mistakenly said uh, seven wins. Six wins is tied atop the National League. He's six and one with a 3.67. But the, the last couple outings for him weren't really that strong. You know, he's given up four earned runs in the last couple outings against the Dodgers and then most recently against Cincinnati. Not great games, but got through five each time, kept the team in it, and they won one, and they lost one. And the truth is when he left against Cincinnati, they had the they had regained yeah. the lead yeah. and that's before the bullpen the had its had its meltdown and you know what that's going to happen and as you said right off it happens to, to teams so eating the innings matters Sensatella at this point now by the way has yet to go less than five innings in any of his starts and for the Rockies team that always has an overtaxed bullpen uh, that's an enormous advantage for the Rockies but the you pointed out the way that they've been treated the way the pitchers have been treated including with a great deal of patience and that includes Chatwood seems like it's finally starting to pay off for Tyler Anderson now you look at his three and four record and six era and you cringe a little bit go Ugh. but some of the things uh, the, the secondary numbers are coming around his last three starts uh one earned run three earned runs and two earned runs respectively uh he's given up 11 homers on the year but only two in the last three starts which again isn't great but the traffic has been the, the catch he's been able to keep the walks to a minimum in those starts those three starts uh, this month he struck out 25 and walked Five. So the Rockies' so patience better is starting to get rewarded there, and that may make an enormous difference as they go on. But when we look at Chatwood and realize that John Gray is, uh, let's say, roughly three to four weeks from returning, yep. it feels to me that Chatwood, that's sort of, that's your window. I don't think the Rockies are going to do anything until Gray comes back, even yep. if Hoffman pitches well uh, today or even if he gets a spot start here and there. But it feels like when John Gray comes back, that's when the Rockies are going to have to make a very hard choice 
And Tyler Chatwood seems to have that much of a window because it is hard to think that you're going to send a, a Marquez back down. Right. Well, why, uh, certainly there's there's point? no reason to move away from Freeland or Senzatella. They're both top five in the league and wins. Right. So it, it feels like this is kind of a make or break for Tyler Chatwood, not only for this year, but his career with the Rockies. Like I mentioned, yeah. he is an unrestricted free agent after the season. And it's it's interesting. And I wrote this column last week and it, they don't necessarily tie directly together, but when you start to look at these pitching options and the depth within this staff, to me, that's the kind of team, that's the kind of build that a really, really good built for the postseason team has because they're not looking at, and the, the column that I wrote was, here's why you got to keep cargo. And because there's all kinds of rumors, that, hey, you trade them, you bring in more young pitching, and young pitching is always great if you can get it. But with this team... You can look at it right now and say, you know what, we've got, we've got one through five, and you know what, we even have one through three in Albuquerque that we're comfortable bringing up all the time, and so I think it. You look at things like that, and it it extrapolates to, yeah, you know what, let's let's ride this thing out with Carlos Gonzalez because he's a guy we want on our team in the postseason, and we don't we don't we're not. We don't have to go get young pitching right now. I mean, everybody wants it. Everybody in the majors wants young pitching. And very few teams want to give it up, by the way, if they have it, too. So you have it. Keep it and keep him. You you don't have to to do anything extreme if you have a team that is winning two out of three on the road every single time they go. Yeah, I mean, at this point, you know, Hoffman performs again quickly. There's really nowhere to even put him right now. Uh, So it's it's interesting to see that they're dealing from a position of strength. And I think the further it goes, I'm glad you brought up Gonzalez because I do want to touch on him briefly. He's gone from hitting 216 in April to 230 in May. The improvement has been really slow. And the truth is the strikeouts have gone up in May. So that's concerning, too. You hope with this track record he can pull things out. But the longer this team performs like this, stays in first place, they have the best record in the National League, the best road record in baseball. I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. This is a a world I never – and we're talking about the strength of the Rockies pitching. I never thought this is somewhere you'd be. And that's with John Gray, their ace, (laughs) pitching 12 innings on the season. So uh, it's it's bizarro world here. But I I think you're right – longer this goes on, uh, Jake McGee is also a free agent at the end of the season. These are guys that you maybe could trade for pieces, but it feels like the longer it goes on, the more you need to just kind of roll with it. And if they leave, they leave because these opportunities don't come around very long. And you're right. Even if Carlos Gonzalez is hitting 230, if you are a pitcher in, in let's say, let's, let's uh, not count the chickens, but let's say you're talking about a, a playoff appearance. Pitchers are still afraid of throwing to Carlos Gonzalez. Absolutely. You're no too nervous to that, that at guy. any one at bat, that sweet swing may absolutely just take you deep. And and they're scared of playing against him. And his defense is still elite. If it's September 20th and you're in the ninth inning of a game that's going to put you a game or a game and a half up in your division race and you have one guy up at the plate and you need one home run to get it done, who's the Rocky you're going to want? My guess is you're going to want Nolan or Cargo. Those are the two, yeah. That's who you, I mean, and and we say that knowing that Carlos Gonzalez has struggled early in the season. And knowing that Mark Reynolds has been on fire. Exactly. But if you look at their histories, Reynolds is you know one of the top strikeout uh, hitters in the history of the game. 
that's the catch is sometimes there's a mystique for that. And he's not at that level because he's not that old. I think Carlos has got a lot of baseball in him. But you think of when Jason Giambi was here with the Rockies for a little bit, yep. even at even at his comparatively advanced age for a baseball player. You know, he came up as a pitcher in the ninth and you could see the pitcher go, Guys oh, don't face man, I don't want to throw to this guy. Exactly. And I think that's when uh, and Giambi wasn't exactly hitting for high average either. Nope. But you, if when you just need that one swing. That's that's a guy you want to keep. So I, the longer the Rockies stay in it, the more I think I'm I'm willing to look at it and say, you know what, a situation similar to say the Denver Nuggets, we might not need more guys, more young guys that right. we can't play. We're ready to make a push, and the Rockies are further along that road. Now it's time to say no. Let's 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 push. Let's roll with what we got. And and I think, you know, historically speaking, Carlos Gonzalez. His numbers have always gone from cool to red hot by the end of summer. And yes, he's a little bit lower than his month by month averages in April and May. I think he's, I want to say when I checked last, he was maybe 20 to 30 points lower, 30 points lower in, in April and, and 20 points lower in May or something like that. But, but point being is that he has a, a track record of always doing this. He starts off slower and then gets in his groove when the weather gets warm and, I don't know if it has anything to do with the temperature, but it, it's it's funny that that's how it goes for him, typically speaking. So I'm by no means ready to throw in the towel on him, and I especially think as we talk about the depth of this team and the pitching that they do have and even in the minor league system, this is not the time to unload him because he might walk at the end of the year. I say you keep him. I say you, you as a franchise owe it to yourself to see this thing play out with one of your best players on the roster. Yeah, it's also worth noting too that you know people look at the stars and they look at these numbers and they they absolutely freak out. Let's look at the the champion Cubs. Kyle Schwarber's hitting 185. Well, Anthony, yeah, he, Anthony he Rizzo's the... hitting 226. Do you think the Cubs are thinking about moving on from those guys? Come on, no. it, it happens. I mean, Kyle Schwarber was more popular than. Barack Obama in Chicago <laughs> yeah, last, last fall. fall. He so, sure was. You know, he's he's having a terrible year, but he's still a guy that they believe in. And, and you I think, think he, you think he, they're not putting him in the lineup every day? Joe Mann's penciling him in there, you know, taking Anthony Rizzo out? Come on. You know, th- this happens. It's probably not worth freaking out about when the guy, when you believe in the player and you know that they've been able to we pull it We have the off. same thing with Trevor Story. I mean, is anybody giving up on Trevor Story? Not no, yet. He's having a There's concern year. because sure. the track record isn't as lengthy as, right. as a Carlos Gonzalez, but uh, there's no He's more in the Schwarber category. Of they're both young guys. And, both, and they've know. gotten crazy hot at times, and yes. you go, okay, is it for real? We don't know, but I'm sure going to play him you until I find out. for sure. Right. Yeah. So this will be uh, a possibility of just a tremendous road trip for the Rockies as they go ahead and – face the Phillies for four straight before returning to Coors Field on Friday to face the Cardinals. And uh, normally, the Cardinals are one of those teams like the Cubs. You go to Coors Field, and uh, it, it seems like the Cardinals are playing a home game. Uh, little by little, fans are waking up. It's getting sunny. It's getting nice and realizing this might be for real here. It could be a very fun summer at Coors Field, and we'll have the opportunity uh, to talk to Doug a few times because, you know, you have that nice uh, upper-level viewpoint. I, I love when we get guys who, who write and put everything together because you think big picture, and that's a lot of fun when people tend to look at baseball games in a 162-game season and look at a loss like in uh, Saturday and then think the sky's falling. Like, uh, it's one out of 162. That right. happens, and it, guess what? It's going to happen again, and it's going to happen to other good teams too. Go check the Nationals. Absolutely. They've had losses like that. Go look at the 
Astros. They've had losses like that. Yep. Uh, it, it's a big picture thing. So follow Doug on Twitter at dottawill, O-T-T-E-W-I-L-L. Pick up a latest copy of Mile High Sports Magazine. Mike McIntyre yep. on the cover. So you coach. Played a little golf um, Swinging a golf club, yeah. Yep, yep. We, we played golf, but mostly we talked football. So uh, oh, That sounds like little, a perfect afternoon. A little combination for you. you know? A little bit of both. So go, <laughs> go grab the latest uh, Miley Sports Magazine. You can also, uh, it, there are uh, digital versions can be found on the website, MileySports.com. So make sure you uh, check that out and check out everything Doug writes over there. Also at MileySports.com, there's even more frequent content than the monthly magazine. So uh, thanks for joining us, Doug. Really appreciate it. It's always good. Always it's a, I love being able to pick your brain because you're just just a door down the hall when we're finishing the radio <laughs> show over here. So, uh, as always, uh, the Blake Street regulars brought to you by Tap 14, 1920 Blake Street. Go on by there pregame, postgame, even if you don't have tickets during game because they have a bunch of TVs. You can catch it there, too. And, uh, well, let's face it, the beers are cheaper. And they're all Colorado. So, 70 Colorado beers on tap, 100 different distilled spirits. You probably didn't even think they make that many in Colorado. But they do. So all Colorado upstairs, your perfect place for the Rockies. Uh, you'll catch me there, and you will catch me there as we record this next one a week from today right there at TAP 14. So I will sign off for now for Doug Ottawa. I'm Sean Drotar. This is a 5280 Sports Network production.